Warning. Sequel Chat is a movie lover's podcast featuring discussions of the latest cinematic sequels in theaters now. These weekend of release reviews are spoiler-filled and highly flammable, so please use caution when listening. You have been warned. Resistance, First Order, Sith, Jedi, let it all die. Oops, spoiler warning, we saw The Last Jedi. Twice. You saw it twice? Yes. I saw it twice. IMAX? And, no. Oh, I and yes, I saw it twice as ah, well. There we go, the trifecta. Yay. <laughs> And this is Sequel Chat. Welcome out this week. And with me, we have Colton, our Sequel Chat champion. Oh, hi. And our guest from our Star Wars episode, Garen. Hey. All right. So, Colton, you did go see it in IMAX, didn't you? My second showing was in IMAX, yes. Garen, did you see it regular or anything special? Saw a regular opening night, and then uh, the second night I went, it was in the 3D, but not IMAX. Ah. Was it worth the upgraded ticket price for either of those? Uh, Your face, Colton, says no. I paid the matinee price. Oh. (laughs) It it was a matinee IMAX, so it was like a dollar or two cheaper than what I paid for opening night. So, yeah, I'd say it was worth it. All right. Garen, how was the 3D? I should also mention I used MoviePass also, so there's that. You know, I I actually... I forgot that was it was even in 3D about halfway through the movie. There wasn't many 3D gimmicks or anything that really popped out, at least in the theater I was in. So I don't know that 3D, you know, did much more for the movie than um, th- than anything else. So I don't know if I would see it in 3D again. Maybe in IMAX though, because 3D and IMAX tends to really pop a lot more than just a regular theater. My one guess on the one scene that really would have popped in 3D would have been the Leia scene, the Leia Force yeah, scene. That, that was pretty cool. That was on my checklist when they announced they were making a new trilogy in 2012. We need to have a scene at some point of Leia using the Force. Originally, I envisioned her lifting something, but they managed to come up with something cooler. Than that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, we're going to say spoiler warning for you who haven't seen it, and why not? Why have you not seen it already? <laughs> dishonor on you, dishonor on your whole family. Dishonor on your cow. Go see it. So, did you guys pick up on any major themes in this movie? Because I didn't the first time through. I went in, I tried to be as innocent as possible going in, not spoiling anything. Sadly, there were people in this world who'd like to do things like that. So, I had some ideas going in of what was going to happen. Usually my first viewing is always, let's see how this plays out, and then we can go back and critique it later. My second viewing, I found some big themes, and I also caught on to some additional Easter eggs. So did you guys find any themes going in? Well, according to all the feminist websites, <laughs> yeah, this this movie is all about women getting crap done. That That's the banner I kept seeing on Facebook over and over again. This film is about <laughs> women getting crap done. All right. Garen, anything stick out to you? You know, I... One that I feel like was explored was the idea that you don't have to be from a a royal bloodline or royal Jedi lineage to uh, wield the force or to become something special. 
I think that was pretty on the nose, especially with that last scene. Yeah. So the major theme that I really jumped out at me this time going back through was let it all die. Kill it if you must. That whole phrase is mentioned multiple times and it really almost sounds like somebody in an executive suite with Lucasfilms because they kind of clean the slate of the original trilogy. Let it all die. Let the past go. Let the past die. Like they're pleading with the fanboys. <laughs> exactly. So The Force Awakens came and it was oh, triumph on the hilltops that yes, a good Star Wars and then people started dissecting it and saying, wait a second. We know this. We know this story. Seen this movie before. <laughs> We've seen this before. Oh, you copied one of the best Star Wars movies. Okay. So it was kind of buying back, buying back faith amongst the Star Wars fans. And in this one, they kind of had to say, hey, guys, we know you love Luke. We know you love Leia. We know you love Han and Chewie and all these guys. But sometime or another, we're going to have to retire them. And it's it's going to have to be okay with the fan base. It may not be in the way that you saw it, but we are going to do it and do them more or less justice. And so this is their way of saying we're still making Star Wars movies and they don't have to be connected. There will be little connections along the way. I'm sure there will be obscene interjections of R2 and C-3PO in movies forever because they're droids. They live for a long time. Mm -hmm. They've seen everything. If this were the Marvel Universe, R2 would be Uatu the Watcher. Mm -hmm. Like, he's been there for everything. <laughs> C-3PO not so much because he's had his memory wiped. Uh, multiple occasions. <laughs> <laughs> So it was really just this theme of, guys, we understand your love, but we must move on. I, I would agree. One of the opening lines of The Force Awakens is, um, and I think it may be the opening line, this will begin to make things right. And he hands the location of Luke Skywalker to Poe Dameron. literally the first line yeah. of dialogue in that whole film. And I, I think that was kind of a, a prophecy that, mm -hmm. you know, we, we want to make a Star Wars movie in The Force Awakens that will kind of reset things and make things right. This is how Star Wars should be made. But, of course, there were still people that hated The Force Awakens because it was too similar uh, to A New Hope. And I would think that I would think the people that hated uh, The Force Awakens for those reasons, they ought to love The Last Jedi for all of the reasons you're bringing up. I mean, some pretty uh, ballsy moves to make to, you know, the fanboys for the last two years have speculated who Snoke was. And now who cares? <laughs> For, for two years, fans yes speculated no. who Ray's parents were, and and we feel like we found out that they were nobodies. Um, so pretty interesting way to and I pretty interesting way to do it. And I think it was great to to be courageous and make some bold moves. It was pretty masterfully done. How they kind of reset the table, reset the game. And as you were saying, people didn't like the Force Awakens for being too similar. And some of those same people are being overly vocal that this has strayed too far from a Star Wars film. <laughs> yep, I've heard that. Which is why the. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score has just plummeted. It's lower than the prequels. Oh, yeah. And it's, <laughs> granted, that's the whole I want things my way culture of the internet. Yeah. And sadly, that's just where we're at. But during this movie, there were multiple callbacks to the original trilogy that spanned all three movies. And what kind of callbacks did you guys find? What 
before we get into too much of the plot mm-hmm. or anything, what jumped out at you as callbacks to these original movies? I loved that scene in Snoke's chamber. It, so much of it was modeled to remind us of that scene in the Emperor's chambers in Return of the Jedi. And I loved how many of the beats were the same, and then it takes this massive left turn with the blue lightsaber igniting. Yes. Such a great moment, letting you know, oh, we're taking a different route now. <laughs> Garen, what did you find? I was thinking about that same scene where, where Kylo Ren is trying to get Rey to realize who her parents are. And it was very Empire Strikes Back in, in the way that, you know, Luke is finding out for the first time that Darth Vader is his father and how impactful that is. And this was like the, the flip reverse. We're going we're gonna to tell you that your parents were nobodies and that you're a nobody too. And, and what does that mean? And you you're, always knew it. Now you just need to admit it to yourself. That's what exactly. made it so painful. Yeah, exactly. Look into your heart and know it's true. So, yes, those were both on my list as being major callbacks. Also, the the opening scene, the escape scene, very much like Hoth. The Empire has made a move and has tracked down the Rebels to their hidden base, and they're in the process of dis- just destroying them. I like that the whole film is one big retreat chase. Very scene. much. Like, nonstop. I mean, maybe it'll cut to another scene on Canto Bite or something like that, but the, the retreat is ongoing nonstop throughout the film. Yes, the very parallel stories of the chase is the main storyline, and then we have these B stories, and the A, st- the C stories. I was very concerned that they were going to bring the AT-ATs in at that point, and, and not only were you going to have the escape, but you were going to have AT-ATs landing, and you knew they were there from the, the preview, and so... You just thought, you know, and I think we'd all been praying, please don't be a remake of Empire Strikes Back. And to me, it wasn't. I don't know how you yeah. guys feel, but they made it just different enough. They took enough risks that it was really its own thing, which is what made it good. The mirror, Whatever beats were mirrored, the, the mirrorings were small enough that they didn't stick out like a sore thumb and make you feel like you were watching the same movie again. Like The Force Awakens, the stuff that was mirrored was mirrored in big ways. Orphan who's in the middle of the desert, they suddenly find a droid with really important information inside. They got to get it to the, the good course. guys. Um, uh, they have to blow up a big, gigantic object that's capable of destroying an entire planet that's spherical. A Death Star, yeah, right. Yeah, right, that, yeah. That's been done like four times now. You know, just so many of those same beats. And, and this time, the, the stuff that was mirrored was much smaller. It was along the lines of what George Lucas wanted in the first place. Just a little bit of rhyming. Not a whole on repeated stanza, you know? Yes. So the stuff that was there, the callbacks, that's the perfect word for them, callbacks. They're not hollering or... I'm trying to come up with the proper term for it. Well, it's not quite <laughs> Easter eggs, but it's, it's as you said, rhyming. It's yeah. themes, little it, it, moments. It's an echo in the force. Yes, <laughs> yes. One could even say that. It just, it, it didn't bother me because the, the plot wasn't super cruxed on them and they weren't ginormous in and of themselves. This was a very, very original film. You definitely had this sense this- of... You know, a, a Jedi receiving Jedi training from a master kind of Yoda and, and then having it go back to the plot of they're, they're on the run. But even the scenes where Luke is supposed to be teaching Ray, he's not. He's refusing. There isn't training going on. Until finally he says, I'll teach you three lessons, and he gets through two of them. I'm not exactly sure what the third one was. The third one was failure. And that's what yeah, was, that's Yoda's mission in his appearance spoiler was, alert, was to show up. him that <laughs> you did teach her the third lesson, and the third lesson is failure. And by the way, I knew Yoda was going to be in this movie. I just Some people might think that the information I had was a spoiler, but the fact of the matter is people were asking Frank Oz over a year ago, hey, are you going to be in this? And he's like, I'm 
legally bound. I'm not allowed to say I'm not going to be in it, and I'm not allowed to say I'm going to be in it. And I'm like, go up to Liam Neeson and ask him if he's going to be in it. And he'll be like, right. no. If you're, yeah. if you're not going to be in it, you have no legal binding. They can't do that to you. So I knew he was going to be in it. Definitely. Which, that's a very important thing. They did bring in a lot of the the mythos of the Jedi and reintroduced it in just a subtle way so as to say, hey, we haven't forgotten these. There will be Force ghosts. There are new powers. The projections. Force projections. Force Skyping. Yeah, apparently, That's what I'm going to call it. Ghosts can Force ghosts Skyping. Lightning. I, yeah. it, it's almost Doctor Strange-like when he comes out of his body and just goes and does what he needs to do. But it was it was because he was in this Force-sensitive location, very strong with the Force, that they were able to project from that location. So his battle with Kylo Ren, very much Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Episode 4. Episode 4. And his farewell, looking off into the sunset. Very much Yoda in his hut. But also, the two suns off in the horizon, him looking towards that horizon. Yes. When that little farm boy was going and looking off in A New Hope. What a great bookend, huh? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that was nice. Such a good I, I have to admit, during the, um, the force projection, near to the end when we were starting to realize that he wasn't actually there, there was a part of me that thought, did we just get six sensed? I mean, was he a ghost the whole movie? <laughs> There's all these little Shyamalan details of the ground wasn't moving at all underneath Luke's feet. He wasn't leaving any footprints. Right, totally. I noticed that. And guys, wrap your brain around this. I think this is the first Star Wars film we've ever had where we did not have a, an actual contact lightsaber battle. Lightsabers ignited, <laughs> mm. but none ever clashed. Kylo's and Rey's never clashed together. Luke's and Kylo's never clashed together. Uh, <laughs> That's a cool point. I didn't think of that. So I, I thought nobody else has been talking about this on the internet, but I was. I I looked at the film the second time and I'm waiting for two lightsabers to touch and they never do. Yes and no, but I think the the Praetorian Guard... That doesn't that, count. I Those know. are little, little laser No, 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 no. Hold on. But it's similar technology. Uh. Like, I, I, I don't know. That's That was the big lightsaber battle, but again, as you said, no Duel. lightsabers dueled and crossed. But somebody did lose a hand. It's been reported yeah, nobody I, lost I, a hand, but Snoke lost his hand. Every Star Wars film has to have somebody yes. lose a limb. It's like the law of the jungle. Wasn't that great, though? Just the lightsaber ignites and he looks down and then it just pulls forward and he just tumbles out of his chair. And I mean, that's just it. That was that was awesome. Because I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, the moment that should have been, because it's I don't know if this was intentional, but here's the thing. That, the Death Star, in George Lucas's original outline, that wasn't supposed to be till episode nine. But he needed more action in episode four, so he moved the Death Star battle up to episode four. And so as a result, when the time came to end that trilogy, he's like, well, we need a grand finale. and I We need another it. Death Star. So he, that's why there's a second Death Star. <laughs> so this whole time, I'm thinking about this new trilogy, and we, we hear about Snoke for the first time back in 2015 or whatever, and I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be the big climactic thing where they take on Snoke in episode nine. It's going to be great. I like how they moved that up. And Snoke is taken out of the picture halfway through the trilogy when you're expecting him to be this Sidious figure who's going to be overarching, you know? So that right. was like, that just, it's like the death of, uh, oh gosh, Drew Barrymore at the beginning of Scream. You know what I mean? It's just, you're just not expecting that. You're like, oh, we're She's we're the big four, star and we're, we're going to kill four, her off. Yeah, yeah, we're in foreign territory now, you know? And the audience, <laughs> I just remember the audience, the air was like sucked out of the room when all of a sudden Snoke's body falls over dead and Kylo and Rey take up their lightsabers as allies to take on all the guards. All this is happening in semi my slow motion the audience was like what the, what's happening now oh my gosh and it was just it was the reaction was just priceless. It, it did make you feel like that they would do anything, though. And that's what was was cool about the movie. In fact, I got to say that the first time I saw the movie, a lot of times I'll watch a movie and the second time it was more enjoyable because I knew what to look for. And 
But in this case, watching it for the first time was much more fun because of all of the twists and turns that were unexpected. I would agree with that. The most movies I like to go back and try to dissect them I guess I get that from some uh, I completely forgot the movie uh, Brain Fart anyway those two <laughs> magician movies that came out at the same time The Prestige The Prestige and The, and the Illusionist and The Illusionist yeah, both of those it's enjoyable on the second go around because you start picking up on things right and it's just like this one it was less picking up on things but seeing how they laid the groundwork to say hey we're gonna do this we're gonna do this are you sure we're gonna do this <laughs> and they ended up doing the one thing that nobody expected i mean i'm driving to the theater and i'm telling my wife you know Leia's gonna die that's a given right terry fisher's dead she's not coming back for another film so they must have worked that in there and so it'll be it'll be leia that dies luke will be fine and instead here at the end of the movie i mean when, when when she was blasted out of the bridge, you know, in your mind, you kind of just, okay, Leia died, check. Right. That's, and then, and then it's they like bring that's her back how they're the signing her off. Yeah, and they, oh, so, okay, now when is she going to die? And then she doesn't. Which has me and, thinking, because they've made it very clear. They're not going to digitally recreate her. Right. They're not going to use unused right. footage. She is not going to be in episode nine at all. That's what Which I changed their whole story, because she was going to be the major player in the ninth movie. And so now you take her off the board. And from what I'm hearing across the interwebs is they're talking there will be a time jump. And more or less we'll probably hear about Leia's death in the crawl of the next one. Mm. And we'll have potentially additional Jedi children that Rey is teaching. And yeah. and I don't know, did you guys pick up on Yoda's last prank is what people are calling, but the joke on Luke? Well, Are you talking about the books? Yes, the, the books. Because he says... I didn't get that till the second yeah. round. But when, when Finn opens the drawer and the books There's are There's a time before that. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me. So I in the second watch through, I saw the one when Finn pulled out the drawer and was looking for the blanket. He runs his hand across the books. Very obvious. Those are the same books, people. People, yeah. and then push the droid. But before that, when she's about to get into the escape pod on the Falcon, she is closing a drawer, that same drawer, having unloaded things into it, and she's going to meet Kylo Ren. And you get a brief glimpse of the books as she's closing the drawer. And you can see like the crossed laces on the, on the main book there in plain view as she's closing it. Uh, franticness of that scene of she's going to go and see Kylo Ren. Right, because you don't know exactly what's going on. So what's this about Yoda's prank? So Yoda was saying, oh. Everything that's in there, she she already has. Nothing in that library is of more importance than what Rey already has. Because Luke thinks the books are in there. And the books are burning. No, But but Page Turner's, Turner's, they were not. No. I love that surly Yoda humor that he got more of as the saga went After on. death? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was, there was, a, when he, when he strikes it down, he like stamps his feet. The first time I watched that, it was a little off-putting. It was, <laughs> He's it like was, stamping his feet laughing. Oh yeah, the, the whole giddy little Yoda thing is just hilarious. And I love that they had the tenacity and spirit to go with was clearly the puppet Frank Oz. Yes. Yes. Instead of, because it was so tempting to just go the full CGI like they did with the prequels, which made sense because that was a young Yoda. But old Yoda was the puppet we had in the original trilogy. Right. And that was the love. The puppet hasn't aged. Yeah. Well, 
it, that, it's the, aged. That's but. the logical way to carry him on, and I just admire the Hades out of them for going ahead, having continuing the puppet-looking Yoda as the Force Ghost in 2017. Yep, agreed. So, will we see Luke in Episode Nine? <sighs> He's... They reintroduce Force Ghosts for a reason. That's what I think. I think... We're... I, I, I think so. I The vision I've been having since long before even this film came out is some climactic moment in Episode Nine where a whole host of Force Ghosts are coming. And the way they've been having Hayden Christensen show up at so many events lately, I think we're going to have yeah. Anakin show up as a Force Ghost in Episode Nine. We're going to have Yoda again. Do he again. did play a role in the visual dictionary. There was some allusion to him as a Force Ghost, possibly cut from The Force Awakens. 20 minutes of footage is coming out on the DVD and Blu-ray. On this one, yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was nearly a three-hour movie, and they had him cut it down. So I have that'd, had people be... tell me, well, that explains some of the jumpiness. Just kind of, It wasn't as smooth a transition. There were some uh, pacing issues with it. Granted, you, you get that with most movies that have to be cut down. But still, it, it felt pretty decent pace-wise for me. Yeah, some of the... I thought the pace was okay. The, the only thing Canto to me bite. that was a, a little... Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Canto Bite. I was, just, I was just throwing that out there. Canto Bite kind of slowed things down a little bit for me, especially some of the messaging with Canto Bite. But that's a, a minor, minor, minor quibble. I'm sorry, keep going. That That's, that's exactly where I was going. I think that little side adventure, it was the least interesting of the movie. It was fine. Uh, it was still enjoyable, but it was the least interesting little bit, Finn and, and Rose and their little adventure. Yeah, that C-plot kind of... <sighs> it's tolerable because of Benicio Del Toro. Hey. I was so glad to finally see him because a lot of people don't know this. He was he was supposed to be Darth Maul and he backed out because they uh. cut all of Darth Maul's lines. And he's a great actor. He's got to emote. If you're cutting out his lines, he's like, no, I don't want to do it. But How did you guys like the stutter? I only heard it two it, or three times. It was forced. Watching it a second time, it was forced. <laughs> that that would be the only drawback on that character was the the stutter. And I mean, granted, he's the collector, so yeah, right. He, he's got the chops. He, he, he's got to be a little bit. You think you'll see him in the next movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, we oh wait! Did we Star even Wars. see whether or not he got <laughs> off of that Star Destroyer? We don't. <laughs> yeah, I guess we didn't. But they did give him a ship and the cash. Okay. Granted, I don't know how quickly he got off the ship because it was shortly after he turned and walked away that things kind of went to hell in a handbasket and uh, light speed. Ramrod. I, I like that, that, that uh, it looked like he might have been a Lando type character, but no, he's not. He he really is set in his ways, and he's not changing anytime soon. Well, as he said, don't join either side. That mm-hmm. was what he was telling Finn: was play both sides. Like never join up with one or the other. Just stay in the middle. That speech would have been a little more powerful if he'd started listing a few things off: Federation of Independent Systems, the Old Republic, New Republic, First Order, the Empire, the Rebellion Systems. It's all the machine. I felt that that, that speech would have been a little more. Powerful. If he I, I'm off sure the news, that's he's... probably an extended scene that we'll that, get that'd on the be, Blu-ray. That'd be great if that, that was the case. But even then, it should have been in the movie. I feel like that would have been more powerful if he just started rattling off how repetitive, and it would have felt, and it would have added to the theme that he pointed out. Let it all die. It's repetitive. Yeah, yeah. I think they were trying to have some some contrast between Finn finally making the decision that he's all in. I mean, Finn's always been a right. runner on the fence, and then this movie, he's running again. And by the end of the movie, when Phasma calls him scum, he takes on the mantle of I am rebel scum. 
And uh, so I think you needed a character like that to, to play a game. Point that he's even willing to this sacrifice idea himself. That, yeah, yeah. Big arc. Yeah, he's 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 all in. And yeah, I, I, again, I really thought he was going to die in the movie because they were killing off everybody else. I thought, this, <laughs> you know, here goes Finn too. And that so I was really actually kind of surprised when like he didn't it. die. Like, yeah, I was floored when he didn't die. So Finn, what character does he remind you guys of? What kind of role does he play? One of the things I enjoyed most about The Force Awakens is that they're really, I hadn't seen a mold like his board, to be honest. So I just, I, I'm drawing a blank. I'm gonna, how much am I gonna say duh when you tell me what the answer is? Garen, did you see kind of a mold that Finn fits? I, I, from another Star Wars film? Yeah. Hmm, who are you thinking of? <sighs> I don't say Panaka. No, I don't even have an idea. Like, they did oh. enough with his character to kind of make him original. Yeah, I would agree he, with that. I mean, I think he, he has Poe Dameron is very much on. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, Finn has shades of multiple characters, mm-hmm. but overly gung-ho. Um, kind of arc-wise, what did we see character arc-wise with Finn other than he's all in? He already went over the hole. He's on the edge looking to run away, but finally giving in, uh, following his duty. I really can't think of anything else arc-wise. Anything stick out to you, Garen? Did, I, did the uh, did the little uh, romance work for you between uh, Rose and Finn? <sighs> forced. That was where yeah. I was looking. Was That was forced kind of so that we get back to the Ray and Finn love theory. It's floating out there. There's there's the one everybody wants is Poe and Finn because right. because their names yeah. are each one syllable. There's no way to turn it into a, a yeah into a ship. Yeah. Uh, I I'm not on that train. That's more of a bromance. That's like Han and Luke. But the granted, He's, there's there's legs to the Finn and Ray thing. I, I gotta say that Poe is definitely friend zoned Finn because every time he sees him, he says buddy, 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 old pal, buddy. Yeah, exactly. You know, so Finn thinks there's something more to it you know he's been friend zoned um i don't i you know i didn't feel like rose and finn had spent enough time together for rose to be that into him but maybe just because he was you know coming around and he was all in and and uh she thought that was cool uh, I thought she was kind of a, a cute character and fun, but uh, yeah, the romance was a little like, hmm, I don't know if Finn has any feelings towards her other than uh, protective because of uh, what she did for him. But I didn't get a sense that he had romance uh, going back the opposite and, direction. And I, and I like that she passed out right before he could react so that he can't yeah. only reject or accept yeah. her. The, exactly, yeah. The, the forced kiss, the surprise kiss. You could tell there wasn't chemistry, and it shocked him. It didn't feel like it. And if nothing else, it was more to let us know that's not where his heart is. Uh, I I thought there was more chemistry between Poe and uh, Ray when they met for the first time in about three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, he said, oh, hi, I'm Poe, and... I don't know what she said. I think she says, like, I know, and, you know, kind of gives him a look. Or, no, or, it was the other way around. She says, I'm Ray, and he goes, I know. Yeah, because we I know, totally yeah, forget. He had that look that Lando had when he saw Leia. Well, 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 what have we here? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we do. You can use the force on me anytime. <laughs> it was it was a surprise and totally just for, forgot that Poe and Ray had never met. Yeah. Yeah. And and granted this movie takes these two movies take place over what uh, a week maybe time who knows how long it takes to travel across space. Yeah, definitely though. Right. But but, but yeah, yeah it's, it's continuous. You can watch these films back to back. There's no gap in the timeline. No. 
I think they say something like um, that their 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 fuel, the the fleet that's fleeing, that they only had like forty eight hours of fuel or something like that. I mean, so it if was, you really think it about was it, eighteen, eighteen, yeah. I mean, so from like the middle of the movie, they only had eighteen hours. Now we don't know how much of that time Ray had already gone to see Luke. So I mean, it looks like like uh, Ray was with Luke. Um, after the fact, but maybe two weeks went by since Ray left by the time that the First Order appeared and started attacking the fleet. It's kind of hard to know. Yeah, that that is where they kind of play with it. Much like when we saw Return of the Jedi, it kind of opened with Luke off on his own. Didn't know exactly what the timing was, but he leaves just in time. Right. Yep, absolutely. But you definitely get the sense that for Poe and Finn that it was just 18 hours, 24 hours. Yeah, and uh, that's another thing that I was trying to reach for earlier, but kind of forgot, is that this is one of the things that thematically, or at least tonally, it has in common with The Empire Strikes Back, is that most of the film, the heroes have been scattered and are dealing with challenges apart from each other, as opposed to New Hope and Return of the Jedi, where they spend almost the whole film together. Yeah. Did did you guys, uh, do you guys watch Battlestar Galactica, the TV series? Uh, I don't. I didn't get into it. That was part of my uh, nerd denial. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, please don't get mad at me this is just me being a jerk because it's fun I, I basically always laughed and called it the poor man star wars even though i've never seen a single episode so <laughs> just, just bear with me on that front okay well if, if you haven't seen it i don't know that my comment will make much sense yeah. but there there was a battlestar galactica episode i think it was the second episode where the cylons were on their tail and they had to jump, and I want to say it was every 33 seconds or something like that, they had to jump to light speed, and they were chasing them through light speed to their next destination. And then by the time they could spool up the coordinates, they jumped again, and they were just in this endless cycle. Uh, so it felt very Battlestar to me. There was also elements in the movie that felt kind of Star Trek to me, too, interestingly enough. J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek? Because or... <laughs> you have to understand, they really had to change the tone to keep the franchise alive. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, even the, the opening where, where Poe pulls his ship up in front of that other ship and they have this conversation kind of ship to ship. Oh, yeah. Uh, face, face to face from the bridge, to me, felt, you know, kind of Star Trek and... And that part was hilarious. Hux is walking back and forth. And, it was. <laughs> you know, I believe he is tooling with you, sir. Um, it was great. And yes, they put in a, a your mom joke. And yes. a lot of people complain about that. I'm like, nope, I don't care. I, it worked. It worked. It was great. funny. Yeah. All right. So in, in talking classic Star Wars, things Almost. that uh, must <laughs> happen. Did any of you catch? I have a bad feeling about this. Uh, I, I did not. Did you catch it? I did. Where? An unorthodox I, I, character said it. Was was it BB-8? BB-8 in the opening. In that opening scene, he's beeping at Poe, and Poe's like, come on, good beeps, good beeps. And then yeah, Leia's like... Don't say that. Because that's Bill Hader's voice being synthesized. You you picked it up? Uh, no, it just had the tone, the intonation of it, and the whole scenario setup of the scene is very much, I have a bad feeling about this. And the, the lines that came after between Poe saying, good beeps, good beeps, and Leia saying, I'm with the droid, it had a very, I've got a bad feeling about this tone. And it has been said by Ryan Johnson that, he, or uh, who was it? It was somebody, part of the movie, said, yes, that is where we put it this this time around. 
They had it said, they, but not really in English. Yes. <laughs> and they had more direct lines that said, oh, something to the effect of, no, I have good feelings about this. Um, but they <laughs> yeah, decided I, to I, I, disguise it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's cool, I think. Very clever uh, touch. I definitely didn't hear it uh, uttered out loud by anyone, so I think you're right. And I'd, I'd read speculation that that's what that line was, so that's cool. Yeah, a lot of this movie was taking the mythos we know and kind of giving it a twist and still having it. Bending, but not cheating. Yes. Yeah. Much... So, so there were a lot of people online that kind of complained about the humor and the jokes. I mean, what did you guys, did, did you find any of the humor off-putting? They, honestly, these people, they remind me of my high school media teacher. I would, I would, <laughs> I would build something really dramatic, and I would do such a good job as an editor, as a director, as a writer, and I'd build something dramatic. And then out of nowhere, I'd have a kid show up with a squirt gun. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, I'll show it to you sometime, Jeremy. And my teacher would be like, you need to edit that out. You've completely ruined everything you've built by having the kid show up with a squirt gun. And I'm like, but it, come on. It's funny. Come on. We're, let's have, people okay, go to the so movies to have fun. Now, because you said that, uh-huh. did it do to you what Thor Ragnarok did to you with the humor? All of it worked except for that final scene. All of it worked except that final scene. So really what it comes down to is I get what my teacher was complaining about, but what really matters is does it work or does it not work? And I genuinely felt that it worked with Return with the, the Last Jedi. I felt that none of the humor ruined the situation at all. Garen, did anything was anything off putting for you? Um, for the most part I, I really enjoy the humor. There was maybe one or two little porg moments that were a little over the top. <laughs> the one where the Falcon makes a turn and the porg flies and smacks against the window oh, that come was, on was, that was a little much for me i forgot about that like five seconds after it happened that that's why I, I i agree with that criticism and yet at the same time five seconds later it's like you forget about it and it just yeah it, true like, it didn't happen so that's why i, I, I don't whine about it oh, sorry not whine that's why i don't <laughs> complain about it so much complain about it. i thought the scene though where chewie is sitting at the campfire and he's about to eat you know the <laughs> Eat that I didn't get to that the second hilarious. show. Wow. I, I didn't realize that that was another point. Yeah, he had one I, on the fire, and then he had one in his hands that he was going to eat. I just thought he... I just take these things for granted. It's a galaxy far, far away. He did not have a chicken. I just assumed it was a chicken. Well, he didn't, he didn't go fishing like Luke. exactly Luda. like the body of a porg. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. In the second showing, that's where I picked that up. And then it was, it, it, I mean, it was funny when it was a chicken. Oh, yes. Because yes. I thought they were like, will you share with us? That's what I thought. And then the second showing, I realized, oh, my gosh, that's, a, that's one of them. Oh, my gosh. They're, that's why they're doing that. They're freaking traumatized. <laughs> and Chewie's like, don't make me feel guilty over my hunger. <laughs> I mean, that that was such a transformational thing to pick up on the second show, and I almost died. Oh, yeah. I, I saw this as, I didn't find any of it offensive. It was very much needed, because it was dealing with dramatic and heavy death themes. of... Heavy themes. Heavy themes. So, like, even even Luke walking through, having met with the rebels that were left, and as he's walking away, C-3PO says, Master Luke! And he just winks at him. Yeah. What a grand moment. Or Luke brushing off his shoulder. Brushing off his shoulder. That on is one of those rare moments where I'm like, that's going to be a meme. Watch it, fellas. Oh, yeah. That is going to be a meme. <laughs> I, I, oh, totally. Yeah, I, so I meme-worthy. I can see so many politicians' faces being put on top of Luke's face after oh, they geez. endure some scandal of some kind and come out on top. We do not endorse this message. <laughs> I, I'm just saying it's going to happen. It, it will. Um, there were some other great moments. I, I like the moment where... Uh, he says something to Ray like, no one's from nowhere. And she's like, I'm from Jakku. And he's like, yeah, that pretty much is nowhere. Okay, that is nowhere. <laughs> However, 
can we all address how for the past two years we've all been on the edge of our seat because we were hoping that Luke would be in The Force Awakens and technically he was. He was. For 30 he picked seconds. up a paycheck. He, yeah. For 30 seconds and we're like, oh my gosh, for the next two years we're going to wonder that exchange of, of Ray holding out the lightsaber. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? <laughs> we're all waiting for the payoff. My theater almost died laughing. That, that They were dangerously Throwing close it to, over his shoulder. Yeah. That was dangerously close to humor that could have ruined the film, but it ended up working. Where we're all like, yes, yes. He casually tosses the lightsaber over his shoulder. And we were like, we waited two years for that. All right. And the bigger thing was she didn't run over and try to, like, force catch it or anything. She just <laughs> she was as surprised her, as we were. Yeah, she turned around and was like, but Master Luke, Master Luke. I was waiting for the Porg stepping on it to light it up yeah. and just torch a Porg. I have no doubt totally. that's what Ryan Johnson wanted us fearing. The, the tension. The tension was there. So, okay, <laughs> so let's, let's break down this force projection thing. Because we only see it from... Either Ray or Kylo's perspective. It isn't until they're together in the hut that we actually see them both. Now, right. kind of built up how it's going throughout the movie is we keep getting this vision as Luke tells the story of a younger Luke. So we're actually introduced to the younger looking Luke, middle-aged, whatever Luke, multiple times. So it isn't a surprise when at the end, that's the Luke that is projected. As Morpheus would call it, your residual self-inch. Your hair has changed. <laughs> Mm, sort of. <laughs> I'm being and, half facetious. Right. But that was the last vision of Luke that uh, Leia knew. It was the last time she'd seen him. And also Kylo. That was the last version of Luke that they had seen. And thus, that is why they showed up that way. They didn't show us Rey standing before Kylo because they didn't want to give that away as that's how they were playing up the projection. Granted, it had only been maybe a week or two since Kylo had seen Rey, but still, it was kind of funny when she's like, hey, can you put on a shirt or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a wee bit nipply in here, isn't it? Yeah, He was bit. in the Marines and it shows. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah, up with I, your high-waisted pants, I thought the Ford projection man? took a little getting used to. It did, but they made sure to introduce it multiple times throughout the movie. Now, but having said that, they definitely touched in the hut. They lingered yes. on those hands until they touched, and that's when they both saw each other's thoughts, mind, whatever. Hungry eyes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry. But as for Luke's projection, there was no actual touching. So it, it kind of, I, I don't know, does that break the mythos they just introduced? Snoke was involved. He was adding some extra power to the situation. That's my opinion. When he bridged their minds. Well, and and also, if Luke Luke was doing all he could just to project that image, um, if he had to project that image and also force interact with Kylo Ren, I mean that his lightsaber was actually their lightsabers were actually clashing. Because Luke does touch Leia. He puts those dice in her hands. He does. Um, Which, what are those? Are those going to be explained later, or do you know? <sighs> They were part of the illusion because they vanished in Kylo well, Ren's hands. Well, there's that, but they were on the Falcon. They were Hans. There's some history in those dice as they were part of. They're a reminder of the game that Han won in order to get the Falcon. It was there in A New Hope briefly, and then it disappeared for the next two movies. It was brought back in The Force Awakens, and now the Lost, the Last Jedi. 
I, I'll level with you. This movie is the first I've and, seen those. And that's the first time I'd noticed them. Yeah, same thing. Was when the Easter eggs were broke down. And they said, hey, those dice, they've been there since episode four. Next wow. time you watch A New Hope, the first time that Han and Chewie get on the Falcon, you'll see Chewie's head brush against them and they kind of spin a little bit. Um, yeah. There's Granted, your little Easter not, egg to look for. Yeah, they're not the same dice. They're smaller, it seems like. That, well, they're smaller and they have alien writing on them. The originals were just normal dice spread in gold. Yeah. <laughs> so the transition, the handing off of those die were a symbol to both Leia and to Kylo. They were a reminder, much like Luke was telling uh, <laughs> Luke was telling Kylo. I'll be with you if you strike me down in anger, as that's will like, Han. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he finds the dice and just completely ticks him off. <laughs> that's yeah. a question that's been lingering with me for two years. Han Han may have become a believer, but he never became a Force user or a Jedi that we know of. Right. He could never be a Force I, ghost, I right? doubt it. So, yeah. How's, how's Han going to be with him in this sense? I just... I, I think it was the haunting reminder that he had killed his own father. That, yes, that yeah. sense of guilt. Because as Snoke explains, it split you. It split him to the bone, and so the good and the bad are both there. Also explaining that he's he's somewhat balanced, but leans to the dark, much like Ray is balanced, but leans to the light. Interesting. That's a battle where there wasn't even any contact. No. And yet it was still thrilling. What great craftsmanship is that when you've got a battle where there's no contact and it still leaves you on the edge of your seat. Due in no small <laughs> part to John Williams's music. After all these years, John Williams is in his 80s and he still knows how to make the music seem like it's a character acting right along with all the actors and everything. Seeing all those heads pop out as they realize they're watching just this mythic legend, Luke Skywalker, walk out to face what really looks like Doom. To face Doom in their place. Just, oh, it's just so well orchestrated just everything about it just screams classic I, one of my most favorite things about going to the movies because i get a little demoralized and i feel like i've just seen everything when you see something like that that you've never seen before this culmination of this powerful story arc that's literally 40 years so it's it's got weight to the characters but it's got weight to the audience as well i mean i just i just felt like the air was being sucked out of the room not just everyone else's but my own as well and just oh and then to have just a little bit of humor there in the midst of all this incredibly somber awesomeness when Luke raises his hand, dusts off after all that blaster fire. <laughs> I remember by the whole theater just erupted in applause. We feel like we've seen everything, and then to have a moment like that, we realize, nope, there's still so much more to be experienced. And then the hardest part, when the movie's over and you want more, and we have to wait two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, when I go to the movies, I'm usually really annoyed if the person next to me is one of those people that that gasp or say, oh my, or holy cow, or whatever. And uh, I was totally that guy in this movie. I mean, <laughs> all of these twists and turns, and then I, I catch myself gasping out loud, and and uh, it was it was really fun. So I apologize to anyone sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel with Star Wars, that's more appropriate. Yeah. Like, that's how we've all more or less experienced the movies growing up is in that theater atmosphere. It's not had this like cult following that you only watched it at home after it had bombed in the theaters. It was a big success. You saw it and you're now experiencing it anew. And it was very... <sighs> What, what parts were dramatic for you guys? What were the most dramatic parts for you? Conflict. I, I, I have trouble finding the words for it because technically it wasn't physical. Luke wasn't totally there. 
Um, but that confrontation between him and Kylo Ren, that's going to be replaying on my TV over and over again when this comes out. That scene, I'm going to be going over that with a fine-tooth comb. And I noticed the details the second time around, how Luke wasn't leaving any footprints in the scene. I, I noticed that the first time, but ah. then looking at it again, Kylo wasn't for much of it either. But wait, there's one point where he looks at Kylo, and he Kylo's foot kind of slides. Yes, I, I remember yeah. that, yeah. And, and Luke kind of smirks at him, you know? It was like a little nod. Yeah. But I would agree. I mean, that scene, it was very impactful. Um, I think that the the fake Leia death, her and Admiral Akbar, you know, Akbar dies. She's pulled out of the yes, bridge. She's yes. floating in space. Um, and then to, to have her come back, um, I, I thought was pretty emotional. That was it was cool. That, that's good. But the quibble that I have is Admiral Akbar. For that to be a throwaway thing. I don't know. I understand their mantra of mourning after everything's been done. Yeah. But, oh, that. Oh, that was cold. A it, little that, that's bit. The, it's a trap guy. You don't let it die with a whimper. But that's the right. whole theme of the movie. Yeah. Let the past die. And he plays a part in the past. Like, all the way back. Clone Wars, even. Like, the Clone Wars TV show. Wow. He's a part of it. Wow. So, yeah. the there's a lot of... Some of them didn't get as graceful of an exit. Leia coming back. I totally thought while she was laying on the bed that that was going to be her sign off. Totally. But her coming through the dust and then stunning Poe. Yeah. That was a revelation that she's back. Like, she will not go down easy. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. <laughs> so my my most impactful moments were majorly it was the Luke and Leia scene. We'd not seen them interact at all since Return of the Jedi. And that had most of the emotional impact for me. There was another... With all we know now, the kiss to the forehead. Oh, right. Imagine how much willpower that took to make oh, yeah. that happen. And there was... I'm drawing a blank now. I saw it today and I'm still drawing a blank. But there was another similar emotional beat a few minutes before that. Probably ten minutes before that. Um, and it was again with Leia. It was, I don't know how they're going to send her off. I think it was her sitting down with Poe on the escape pod or the escape cruisers, whatever. And they're discussing how the plans were going about. And he kind of, it was kind of telegraphed that his arc was to go from this run and gun kind of flyboy to learning to take command. Mm -hmm. and there As was, in receive command. Right. Well, I mean, I mean yeah. step <laughs> yeah. up in the moment when it's needed. And no doubt that's probably where they're going in the ninth movie. Will he will be part of the commanding officers of the rebellion? Less in his X-wing, which also saw a graceful exit. One could say, yeah, <laughs> his trademark black X-wing, and so he'll be now on the brig, on the bridge, like calling the shots. I don't know. I think he's always going to be in an X-wing. Maybe he'll call the shots from from his X-wing. He'll get a he'll get a <laughs> new one. You know, like a orange yellow <laughs> i'm wondering if this film if episode nine will have the guts to go through with some of the themes that george lucas shied away from he was gonna do in return of the jedi he well and apart from that whole thing with luke putting on vader's helmet and saying i'm vader now the other big thing that he was gunning towards and he ended up shying away from was everybody dies everybody gets blown away except luke the spaghetti western he goes walking off the sunset i'm wondering because what you just mentioned just now i envisioned poe dameron doing a kamikaze mission on his x-wing as his final act after doing all the stuff you guys mentioned working on the bridge being a commander a desperate situation arises where he needs to deal with it hands-on and he ends up having he's to gonna pull everything. a whole hold door yeah 
Um, that, that was another did, surprising did guys, character arc because I thought she was just going to be a big meanie. It turns out she had a very altruistic plan. Very. Yeah. So that, that was an surprising. awesome scene. Mm-hmm. The the scene where she turned around and and jumped to light Everybody speed into, in the that, theater into that ship. When, when that the, was awesome. When it the, was. When the sound went silent and you saw yeah, no music. Light, all this white light was cutting through the Star oh, Destroyer. Yeah. Everyone in the theater was like. Oh. Was so good, so well staged. You can't help but think that she should have done it about five minutes earlier, <laughs> right? Or a friend of mine said, you know, earlier in the movie they could have moved everyone from that ship to another ship and just jumped into it, you know, twelve hours earlier, eighteen hours earlier. Right now you sound like Winter Soldier. You couldn't have done yeah. that earlier. I hate you. Yeah. Uh, yes and no, because. As they were explaining, well, if you just blow up one ship, they'll start tracking you from another. From another, yeah. And they'll be looking for smaller ships at that point. So as long as they were locked on the the major ship, you didn't want to do something like that unless you had to. But then again, why wasn't this a thing in all of the other Star Wars movies? New technology. That's what they made it sound like. The whole tracking thing was a game changer. Well, no, no. The the suicide mission. The light speed ramrod. Yeah, who knows? Right? Uh, I mean, I mean, the the whole typing in the oh gosh, we're getting so nerdy. The whole typing in the coordinates thing to make sure you don't accidentally run through a star. I think the proximity, the fact that they were so close. Because remember, uh, when when an X wing gets in really close, it's impossible to shoot at it because it's just so stinking close. Maybe they have a similar issue with typing in the coordinates to run into something that's really super close to you, relatively speaking. Maybe the technology is better. Who knows? <laughs> I'll bet you some somebody in one of the comics or the spin-off media is going to address this somehow. That's that's really what that media is. It closes gaps all over the place. It does. How like there's a great comic explaining how Vader found out for certain was his kid because he goes to Naboo as a doctor who worked with Padme. He threatens him to explain right. everything. So I don't mean to go off on a tangent. I'm just making it clear that I'm sure they're going to close gaps like this somehow. Well, there was there was also another gap with Luke explained in the comics of late because in the Darth Vader comic they were explaining how Vader got his lightsaber initially because the only way to get a kyber crystal at that point was to take it from a Jedi and thus they'd already killed off all the Jedi through Order 66 so Vader had to seek out one of these Jedi that were left that were cut off from the force and had taken a a vow to not be on any side. And thus, that's similarly the vow that Luke took in order to cut himself off from the Force. This is definitely Disney's influence, because long before The Last Jedi came out, but we're talking back in April, this is around the time that the trailer dropped, where Luke said it's time for the Jedi to end. I saw a lot of people putting out this theory, and with the release of this film, this theory, I feel, has jumped from being theory to fact. Disney, with all their extra media and everything, it looks like they're paving the way to kind of eliminate the binary nature of just, you know, the Jedi are all good and should therefore always be there, at least in the form that we've come to know them. Disney is looking to kind of sweep that away and make more room for basically gray Jedi. People who, they're the good guys, but they're not going to have the, the uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The monk vows that make it so that they can never fall in love and all the other minutiae like that. They're going to try and free it up like a lot. So when you say that there was a theme here of let the past die, yeah. <laughs> With a, let's try and clean up the slate a little bit. Yeah, that is Disney doing their work of Star Wars is ours now. We're going to open it up so it's not so stodgy. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I definitely agree with that too. Um, did, uh, on the other pad podcast, we were talking about how, uh, Ryan Johnson's been given his own trilogy. Did you guys hear that? Yes. And it will not be the old Republic and it will not be connected to this trilogy. So I, he can go anywhere in space and time within the Star Wars universe. Right. Yeah. Just no characters that, that we know of. I mean, I think that's kind of a fun 
palette to work from. Mm -hmm. Use the Star Wars universe, but you're not pigeonholed to use any of the existing characters. You can do anything you want. And, and very much like you, you can tie it in as much as you want, but you aren't tied down to having to have a Skywalker involved. Yeah, that's, right. one, that's a big thing I got from this movie is with Luke and Leia, it looks like they're going to they're gonna give a denouement to the Skywalker family. Cause yes, I, my the money, Skywalker family. My money is that Ben Solo does not make it past episode nine. No. And even, and even if he did, his last name is Solo, so the Skywalker name's gone. But Skywalker blood remains. That's It was mentioned multiple times. That it was the Skywalker blood, um, and and I see that as they'll they'll need to close up their trilogy. Trilogy of trilogies, right? Yeah. And that would be the the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I, I, my money is on that. Disney wants to get away from having those episode numbers up there and just kind of make a whole new play box, toy box, I should say. And I yeah. definitely see them opening up the the vault of all of the. Star Wars Legends to Ryan Johnson and saying, hey, sure whatever you want, sure just pick and choose elements and let's make it canon. Yeah. Uh, one of the big things I want out of Episode Nine is, you know that those good uh, thread tie-ups that happened in Return of the Jedi? Just kind of tie things up, explain some of the gaps yeah. in there, have it be done eloquently. Oh, by the way, she's your sister. And, oh, by the way, uh, technically, I didn't lie to you when I said that you betrayed and murdered your father, because that's kind of what happened, kind of. Depends on how you look. Anyway, just tying everything up. I'd, yeah. like, I'd like to know how Maz Kanata got that lightsaber. I'd like to know yes. where, where Snoke came from. How, who is he? What was his motivation? What brought him into Ben's life? Or if he's really gone. You think he's going to pull a Darth Maul? I, I don't know. Get some robotic legs? And start... <laughs> I um, think he's gone. Yeah. Just the look of surprise on his face and watching the life go out of his face as his body falls to pieces. I think he's gone. Especially that one shot of, of Hux in the room and just his corpse just kind of slides off the chair. Yeah. It just That was just so limp and so lifeless. He's, he's done. Well, right? yes. This isn't the MCU where everyone who dies isn't really <laughs> dead. Right. You know, in Star Wars, we can actually kill people and leave them dead. <laughs> well, unless they're good and we can bring back forth to immortality. Right. Yeah, yeah, Force Ghost. But yes, a grand heavenly host of Force Ghosts showing up I want Qui-Gon. I want Mace Windu. Come on. He's dead. You saw his fall. He's dead. He's got to be dead. I, I, I want to see Yoda, of course. I want to see the young Anakin. And I accept the young Anakin being the canonical ghost because that's what he was when he was actually a faithful Jedi. So, so you hear that, kids? Have the swift deathbed repentance. Your force ghost will look young. <laughs> Yay! But my, my Anakin force ghost will always be the old man uh, because Sebastian, I have his action figure Sebastian from Shaw. 19. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Sebastian Shaw. We had to mail away our proofs of purchase to get his action figure in 1983. And they he will still, always be my first They still had the empty box scandal six years after the original film? Like, what do you mean the empty box scandal? Like, uh, Kenner Toys got completely caught off guard. They did not think Star Wars would be a hit, but they were interested in making oh, a, I, a, a modest line of space You're talking about the early toys. bird. So, no, no, what I mean is uh, when people started buying up their Star Wars toys, they were like, oh my gosh, we didn't make enough. We didn't think this. We had no idea the movie was going to be a hit. We just wanted to make some modest space toys. That's all it was. So the infamous empty box scandal was you go to the store, you bought an empty box, and they said, look, we want to make sure you save your place in line to get these toys. So buy the empty box. There's a certificate inside. Fill it out. Mail it in, and we'll mail you the toys. The infamous yeah. empty box scandal. It sounds like that's what happened in '83, or or is what happened to you different? No, uh, yeah, that you're talking about the early bird special, and you know yeah. all those people. They eventually got theirs, but you're right. It was due to, to they didn't understand what the demand was going to be like. But no, they were always doing Wars. these. Right. They were always doing these promotions. Um, the Kenner action figures had a proof of purchase at the bottom. You'd cut out. 
and sometimes you could send them in and get um, you know different characters. Um, but in in Return of the Jedi, the the character that you can get was the Anakin Force the the Anakin Skywalker first Force Ghost. Um, and so you know you bought five characters and then you threw those proofs of purchase in the mail and you got a little box with Anakin in it. You know, five weeks later. So, uh, oh, okay, yeah. Much like today, they have usually throughout a set, they'll have the main character and then a piece or an arm or a leg of a secondary character that you have to buy the whole set in order to make. That's right, yeah. Early on for Return of the Jedi, Admiral Akbar was one of the kind of preview figures before yeah. Jedi came out, and you can send in proofs of purchase and get you know the first Jedi figure was Akbar, and then eventually it became uh, it was the Emperor and then Anakin. Nice. So, any final words on this? Anything that we missed discussing? I know we were kind of all over the place with the plots I, and everything. No, I'm but... fine. I, I loved that this film is not a rehash. I mean, I'm one of those people who, even though I enjoyed The Force Awakens, I acknowledge a lot of it was rehashed to help coddle the fanboys who felt disaffected by the prequels. And I don't mind that they went in there, they gave me the same tone as The Empire Strikes Back, but they gave me a wholly original, unique, enthralling film. I've never seen a Star Wars film on the big screen more than twice i'm tempted to go back a third time so nice I, 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 however full disclosure i've never seen the original trilogy on the screen <laughs> I, I gotta fix that one these days oh, <laughs> but yeah i i just this film you know you want to rehash you want to feel comfortable and not expand your horizon and you just want to see the same star wars film over pretty much go watch the force awakens you've always got you'll always right. have that the rest of us who feel like maturing let us enjoy this film no offense to anybody who for any individualistic reasons generally just didn't like this film if your excuse is anything else besides well it wasn't the same i wanted more of the same i'll hear you out <laughs> garen what did we what did we miss talking about on your end no nothing I, I just wanted to say it was a fun time at the movies and that's what i'm looking for so there's certainly going to be haters and, and um as you said people that want to find fault but at the end of the day i want to go to a star wars movie and have fun and this delivered that for me um so i, I give it two thumbs up or five stars or whatever the uh <laughs> the sequel quest uh you know 10 movie reels or whatever it is it was <laughs> it was good oh boy well i i'm glad that they're going the route they are to say that uh, some nobody can become a jedi they can use the force much like we saw the little kid in the stables use the force to grab his broom i almost yeah. missed that the first time it's very subtle it is very subtle yeah. and again that kid is a nobody and i didn't catch until the second viewing him holding the broom like a lightsaber that, a little bit yeah, yeah I, that was the second viewing is where i picked that up but and yeah. they're telling the the legend of Luke Skywalker and getting shot at by the Adats. And maybe that's the whole point of the Skywalker blood for them to come in. And even though they are special, they inspire those who may not come from anything special to become special in and of themselves. Maybe that was the whole point of the Skywalker song. Maybe he that's becomes what, a legend. That's what makes yes. him the chosen one from the legend. Is that really the Jedi were supposed to basically be the caretakers of the Force for a time? They nurture this chosen one. He rises up and creates something completely new. And in a way did not Luke fulfill the destiny of balancing the Force? Technically, Vader did by killing all those Jedi. <laughs> there was well, too many Jedi. Numbers-wise. <laughs> Numbers-wise. Numbers but uh, they made it very clear in Star Wars Rebels that Obi-Wan believes that Luke is the chosen one. So I guess I have to run that. Well, I mean, in this movie, he talks a lot about the balance. And Rey has understood the balance. And now, hopefully, Kylo has understood the balance that he himself is split, but leans dark. And Rey is there 
she can reach into the dark with her anger and everything, but she always comes back to the light, and thus inspiring people all over. Especially those who are fans of Raylo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some awkward moments. I'm still waiting on them to be revealed that they are twins. Um, and So you don't think Kylo can be trusted when he said your parents were nobodies? Ah, uh, I don't think so. I, I'm still wanting <laughs> more backstory. James thought that Darth Vader was lying the first time he said, I'm your I father. saw you, that one you, too, Do you think yeah. this could be a flip on that, where he knows the truth and is lying to her? I think this could be uh, Ryan Johnson kind of punting the ball, like, to the next guy. JJ, you can, you started this with Ray. reveal it. Yeah, or or keep it as that anyone can, can become a Skywalker, in a sense. Anyone right. can become a great Jedi. I did read today that J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson talked about that, and that was kind of the decision they made, is that Ray would come from no one. So I don't know that that's going to change. I think that really was the reveal. An interesting one as it is. And I like that they revealed it in the second film instead of having to be part of the finale. Right. Yeah. It's ballsy. Right along with Snoke's death. The stuff that just seems like the sort of arc that build at the end, halfway through, they drop that on you. Basically, it looks like Kylo Ren, he's basically going to be the new emperor, as it were. Yeah. Which really, a lot of Star Wars lore always teases that the apprentice wants to take over the master well that's how an apprentice becomes he craves the power but typically that's only talked about or that happens at the end to have it happen halfway through the trilogy where he takes the guy's place full on that's new i'm curious to see what he does with that well that is the way of the sith the the apprentice must kill the master in order to take over so doesn't the kylo lie to hux when he comes in and says what happened doesn't he say yeah the girl so he doesn't take credit for it. he didn't say i just decided i was taken over so i killed him myself and now i'm the supreme leader he still wanted to play that side of things which was sort of interesting well he had to because everyone revered and feared the the supreme leader um and so he had to, in order to keep confidence with the guys, say that Ray was the one that killed him. We got a nice taste of what happens when the First Order finds out that he killed Supreme Leader Snoke. All those guards jumped on him. Imagine what the rest of the First Order is going to do right. if they found out that Supreme Leader was killed by one of their own. They would. Right. Uh, hopefully that happens in Episode 9 where I another hope. group gets revealed, that the revelation comes to them, and they're torn. I hope there's a security they, tape or something. It, yeah, <laughs> like some of them will probably adore Kylo Ren and want to follow him to the ends of the galaxy, and the rest are gonna be like, "But we love Snoke, and he betrayed Snoke." And Which it was dynamic. it was also briefly revealed that the the Knights of Ren, well, they they had similar weapons to the Praetorian Guard for Snoke, but Luke did say once he finally came clean that Kylo took five of his students yeah. and killed the rest. I didn't notice till the second viewing those littered bodies. On the the bodies right outside where Luke. I, comes how did out. I I that. I was so caught up in the flames and the burning of the That's temple, exactly I, I missed the bodies. Yeah. So, finally, the Knights of Ren, we've only been hearing about them. They don't make an appearance, yeah. but there's a tease where they may be those five students of Luke's. That's what I, oh, from before even Force Awakens even came out, I assumed that. I assumed they would. Luke attempted to train a new generation of Jedi. It didn't work out. I imagined some fallen students being the Knights of Ren. I, that's always been my assumption. Yeah. So, so where are they now? Hmm. We don't know. That, that, that's also what I have on the list, you know, where did yeah. come from? Where the Knights of Ren been? Where did Anakin's lightsaber? By the way, that's torn in half now, right? Yes. Yes, and I'm glad they had it so that she had it in her hands. She picked it up on her way out, and just to clarify. 
clarify people, she didn't just jump out of the ship and land in the Millennium Falcon. She stole, and it said, she stole Snoke's personal craft, communicated with Chewie, met up, changed ships, and that's when they come back into the battle on crate. Okay. There, there are some people complaining that are, there are some beats missing, but it's filled in with the dialogue. You don't have to see everything, people. It's, I, I, it's there. I'm surprised people miss that stuff. I, I caught all that stuff. Yeah. Her yeah. escaping and the personal craft and everything. I, I, I've read through a few different... Uh, Isn't it infuriating when you have people leaving hole. comments, complaining about things? And I'm like, dude, you just weren't paying not attention. Even, not comments. People writing articles about quote-unquote plot holes. And people writing articles that basically trumpet their own yeah. ironic ignorance. Yes. Wow. Okay. Anyway, guys, <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll definitely... Definitely have to get you back on here when the next one comes out December, in two years. December 2019. And possibly when Solo comes out. It comes out. Back. Well, it comes out after Infinity War. But thank you, Garen. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Colton, you're welcome. As always, thank you guys. And we will catch all of you listeners on the next film. Happy New Year. And until we meet again, Godspeed, Rebels. May the Force be with you. hope you enjoyed all the fun of today's show and invite you to check out our regularly scheduled podcast, Sequel Quest, where we imagine the next installments of your favorite movie franchises. Find Sequel Quest on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at SequelQuestPod.com now. Now.